In the name of Jesus, amen. Change can be hard. And even maybe harder sometimes in the life of the church. So I don't know how many of you have gone through hymnal changes in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I remember when we did. When we went from the red hymnal, TLH, to the blue hymnal, LW. Wow, that was a big change. And some people welcomed it, others didn't. But it was hard to learn. I remember we spent a lot of music classes and time learning the new liturgy. Right? And then we transitioned relatively recently from Lutheran worship, LW, to LSB. And that was another change and another thing to get used to. And some people said, well, I don't like this one. Uh, It doesn't have what the other ones had. And it's like, no, no, it's got all of those things, but they added more settings. So now there's even more services to learn, I suppose. And for some people, it's, it's scary because they haven't done it before, right? Change is hard. Service times. We've had a lot of discussion about service times. What's the good time to do all that? And you'll notice that when we change service times, there's always inevitably people who show up at the wrong time, right? Even though we try to communicate that for six weeks. And, oh, we, you know, we're just staying at the old time. Change is hard. New pastor, new church worker, change is hard. With new emphases, Things that are important that might differ from before. You know, just things to get used to. It's hard. Now imagine, just for a second if you would, that you've spent your entire life, your entire religious life, being served by the Levitical priesthood. Individuals who make intercession for you and sacrifices and animal sacrifices on your behalf, right? Your whole life you've done this. Because this was God's command for the people of the Old Testament. But then Jesus comes along and things change. The author of the Hebrews writes to those faithful of God's command and living in faith, to the Old Testament and commands and practices that the Levitical law, the ceremonial law, have now been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. The sacrificial system, all of those things pointed to Him. So the author of the Hebrews writes with many, many many references to the Old Testament and assure its readers that what God has accomplished in Christ Jesus is not only better than what came before, not only better, but is the exact thing, oh, I'm sorry, the exact person that the Old Testament anticipates, points to, especially as, and this is what's really interesting, especially as to what is necessary for the center of worship and faith life for God's people. So let me tell you more. We know that Jesus truly is 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one we know who gave His perfect life as the one true, effective sacrifice. And because of that, no additional sacrifices are needed. Right? Perfect. Once for all. And God makes an oath that He has given Jesus as our High Priest. This as an oath that He has made to you. Guaranteeing you His Son as a perfect mediator. And one appointed, not one appointed under the law. Now that is a strange new change, but it's better. The author to the Hebrews writes, for on one hand, a former commandment is set aside, that is the Levitical priesthood, because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. That's one of the things I want you to hear this morning. Through which, through whom, we draw near to God. We see that today as the author to the Hebrews sort of shows us the limitations of the Levitical priesthood and then shows us our great high priest, Jesus, who has no limitations. Both are intermediaries. And through both intermediaries, a sacrifice, sacrifices are made. It's interesting because in the Old Testament, they weren't really called sacrifices. They're called more aptly offerings. Offerings. And it's interesting because that word comes from the verb come near, draw near. Right? Offerings, draw near. Bring your offering, draw near. An offering is something that is brought near to God in the tabernacle or in the temple, right? And in an offering requiring an animal, you probably know this, but the animal was slaughtered, right? It's not just the death of the animal. It was slaughtered in the courtyard of the tabernacle or temple, right? The tabernacle is the movable church until there's the temple. And all the blood was drained, you might know this, and then either splashed on the four sides of the altar or poured in the basin. By this ritual, the priests and people were released from sin, cleansed from impurity. After this, they could draw near to God safely without desecrating His holiness, without themselves you know, being put to death. They could draw near. Yet there's still some separation there. There's some places the people can't go. They're just not allowed, right? There's still this separation. So we anticipate something better. And we receive it. 
whether priests in the Old Testament or let's talk about your your context, pastors, okay, in our current context, all human servants of God have extreme limitations. Right? They take vacations, they need rest, right? They get COVID. They have heart problems. You know, they become ill or disabled in certain ways and are unable to serve. Try as they might. They are not available 24-7. You get the idea. And even if they do have impressive stamina, death or unforeseen circumstances eventually will take them from office, right? There's an interruption in service, perhaps. The God-man Jesus Christ, totally different. Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Imagine that. You know, you find a doctor you like, you find a pastor you like, and that person is always there, always available, always active, right? Raised from the dead, our Lord lives and lives for eternity to serve us. That won't ever change, right? He's not going to take a break. He's not going to get distracted. He's not going to get COVID. He's not going to have heart problems. He's not going to need to be replaced or, or have a depth, some, you know, a, a, somebody come after him. He is your great high priest and he always will be. And what's he doing in his office in perpetuity? What do you think? Just sitting there kind of chilling? No, he's making intercession for you and for God's people as a high priest should. Pleading with the Father on your behalf. John Kleining puts it this way, because Jesus is the ever-living advocate for all of God's people, He prays for them, He appeals to God for their deliverance from sin and all their other needs. Yet His advocacy is broader than just speaking up for them. He intercedes by what He does for them as well as by what He says for them. Just as the high priest acted on behalf of the Israelites in the daily service, by making atonement for them with the blood of the Lamb, burning incense for them as He bore their names before God, and offering up the burnt offering on their behalf, so Jesus, their liturgical minister, now appears before God on their behalf. But unlike, and here's a major difference, unlike the Israelite high priest who was unaccompanied, right, it's just him, Jesus takes them, you, with Him into God's presence. Because He atones for their sins by cleansing them with His blood and brings them to the divine throne where they receive divine mercy and grace from God. And I would add, truly, truly draw near to God. 
The truth is, brothers and sisters in Christ, and it's recorded many places in Scripture, that the blood of bulls and goats did not appease God's wrath over sin. But the blood of Christ did and does. The Old Testament placeholder, the sacrificial system, points to something better. And through Christ, and only through Christ, and this is the author to the Hebrews' argument, and what all of this Old Testament Levitical law, ceremonial law points to, is that we only draw near through Christ. That's it. So we do well to listen to our Lord's invitation to draw near to Him, to come to Him, where He has promised and how He has promised to serve us, to serve you, to be your high priest. To hear His Word on a regular basis, hopefully a daily basis through devotions, but definitely through the preaching and teaching of the church. To receive the sacraments often. To be brought near to God through our mediator, our arbiter, our advocate, as we participate in the divine service. Jesus doesn't just invite us out of some self-serving interest, right? I need people to worship me. Although He certainly is worthy of our prayer and praise and thanksgiving. He doesn't invite you to boost attendance numbers, right? He doesn't invite you to secure more money for the building fund or the general fund. He doesn't invite you to inflate his own ego so he can feel good about himself or whatever you want to say. He doesn't invite you out of anything other than his devotion to the Father's will and your welfare, your eternal welfare. His deep and abiding concern for your salvation and your peace and your comfort in the Lord. Whether priests in the Old Testament or pastors in our current context, all human servants have limitations. Motives aren't always pure. Surprise, surprise. Right? We don't always follow God's will in each and every situation. We experience what's known as Compassion fatigue. We waver in devotion to God and the fulfillment of our office. We miss the mark, right? That's one way to think of sin. Think of a bullseye and shooting a bow and arrow. You might miss the bullseye. Not the God-man Jesus as your high priest. He is uniquely qualified to be your high priest. And that is what our text talks about. You heard some of these adjectives. Holy. He's devout, like I mentioned before, right? Deeply committed. He's innocent. Without evil of any kind in thought, word, or deed. He is undefiled. He is not like you or me at all. Even the priests had to make offerings time and again, not only for the sins of the people, 
but for their own sins as well. You'll notice that in the confession and absolution, that Pastor Brian and I, and indeed uh, quite a few pastors, make the same confession that you do. I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need to hear the absolution too. We face the altar and give our confession, acknowledging our sins and shortcomings before God and to all of you. Jesus doesn't have these limitations, guys. He's always there to perform His duties faithfully and lovingly, without mistake, without error, according to God's perfect and holy will. He serves you perfectly because of who He is. The One who occupies the highest place of all. Think of it. The highest place of all. Higher than the heavens. Uses His power. His will. To help the lowly people on earth who are otherwise doomed to death, destruction, and damnation. And this is ongoing. Constantly, day in, day out. Don't think about it. And he shows perfection in offering up himself as that truly pleasing sacrifice that satisfies God's demand for justice, but also establishes God as justifier, merciful, right? I know you don't have the same reservations that a Jewish Christian would have around the time that Hebrews was written. I get it. So you think, ah, it doesn't really apply to my situation or context. But we share a commonality with our Jewish brothers and sisters, our Jewish Christian brothers and sisters, around the time that Hebrews was written in not recognizing or believing or, or fully processing, whatever you want to say, that God has set the divine service as an opportunity to take part in what God is doing for us in Christ and how He wants to bless us in Christ. And so it's easy to get hung up on the surface tangibility of things. The settings, the hymns, the songs the sermon, the prayers, all of which are great and are there for our benefit. But eh, I didn't like the way, I don't really like the way that song is. Eh, that sermon was too long. Eh, and on and on and on. We can't see or truly experience in its fullness what God is really doing. But today's author wants you to see church service as Jesus is serving me and meeting me where He has promised. Right? He wants us to understand that Jesus is bridging the gap between man and God because He is the God-man and He's doing it for us. He loves to serve. He wants you to live in peace and joy and hope because Jesus gives you access to heaven on earth by His exercising of the office of high priest. 
as he brings us near this morning to God in the heavenly realms. That's what's going on. That's the theology the author of the Hebrews is trying to get us to see where there's still separation in the Old Testament sacrificial system. There isn't in Christ. We have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold fast to our confession. As we heard a few weeks ago, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize us with us in our weakness, but one who was made in every respect and tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near. There it is again. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may and that is definite, receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Indeed. And amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our great high priest. Amen.